Hello and welcome back to the Black Women Working Podcast. It's so good to be here again. Chantel here. Hey ladies. Hola. Hello. Hello. Hello, 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 BWW list. Anyway, sorry, Hello, Sean, no, yeah. maybe, yes. maybe we're feeling inspired because um, we've recently dropped the BWW Get It playlist. So if you haven't yes. tapped into that on Spotify, please do. And if you have any suggestions of songs, you know, that Monday morning motivation, that morning motivation, then drop us a line and we will add it. But um, yes, so we are currently out of season, but we back again you know we like to be here and um before I delve into why we're here ladies how are we let me have some manners oh wow you had to prefix it with that what were we mannerless no she was talking about herself listen do you need (laughs) do we need to start again because there's a spirit of defensiveness is strong in that one (laughs) Like literally, she's just saying, "Let me have manners and ask how everybody's doing." Oh, I right, I get am it. Absolutely now. fine, and thank you very much for asking, Chantel. And I hope you're well, also. Charles, how are you, babes? My dear Chantel, I am feeling tremendously <laughs> <laughs> um, upbeat and jovial as we proceed to commence with this episode. Yeah, um, to come polite now. <laughs> but behind the scenes, we're tired, as our dear friend Rachel would say, who's unfortunately unable to make this episode. <laughs> yes, yes, Rach, hope you're tuning in. Um, so it is with great pleasure that we're here today and we're here on quite a different spin I want to say a different spin but actually we have spoken about a book on the pod before but um it's with gratefulness that I must give a shout out to Head of Zeus Publishing who reached out to us um as a working partnership for the book In Every Mirror She's Black written by Lola Akimade Akastrom um I do apologize if I got any of that pronunciation wrong um but it was it was really nice again to have a book between us, fictional, no, yeah, fictional, isn't it? Give me a nod. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. A fictional, so fictional book to read on on work in some end. Um, and I'll just start with a little summary of the book based on the blurb. Although we're not going to talk about the entire book, but in every mirror, she's black is based on three very different women who are desperate to change their lives. Through strangers, they are drawn to the same place, Stockholm, a city famed for its egalitarianism. Egalitarianism. I I wouldn't get it wrong. What does it mean, Tals? Excuse you. That that wasn't part of the agreement. (laughs) We'll come back to that. I know what it means, but it's hard to, you know, explain explain it. Not more important right now. But beneath the city's glittering oh, it is important, And basically what it means is believing in or based on the principle that all people are equal and deserve equal rights and opportunities. What I'm glad that you have that within you and you're not reading it on Google. Cool. <laughs> I'm not. Thank you for the faith. Exactly. Okay. Sorry. Um, but beneath the city's glittering surface, as Twitter has liked to share over the last few weeks and months, lurks challenges old and new, challenges that threat to tear them down once and for all. So there are three very different women in this book, um, all black women from very different backgrounds, 
But one in particular stood out to us, Kemi, um, because her story is very much based on the workplace. And um, we would like to share our thoughts on some of the themes that came out from Kemi's story in particular. Um, spoiler alert, so if you're intending to read the book or you haven't quite finished, you might want to uh, save this episode um, for later, but I've given you the warning now. So the first thing that I wanted to delve into, which came out time and time again in a weird way, was being clear on what you deserve. I'm going to talk about this in several ways, but the reason why it stood out to me was because there were so many instances throughout all of the women's lives where it's like, how can this be true? Oh my God, like, is this me? And it made me think like, these are the things that you asked for. These are the things that you wanted. And there was like some sort of limiting belief or doubt around, should this be mine? And I guess the question that I pose to you ladies here in that is, it made me think about the fact that we are so, we're usually so clear on what we want as we embark on our career journey. So like, you know, you choose a specific university course, you know what career that's gonna go down. And I reckon like you sort of have a plan, even if it's unconscious for the like first five years of your career, you know where you need to develop your skills and then go up. But I wonder if, kind of just moving away from the what you deserve, I wonder if we lose that intention as we get further into our careers and like, what are the reasons for this? Of course we do. Because when you start your career and you come up with your little plan about what you're going to do, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> you don't know what you're chatting about. Go I on. Look at, like my career plan when I was being a training contract being a trainee, doing my training contract. Do you think I knew what it was like to work in a law <laughs> firm, to work in a training contract, to run transactions, to even know what type of lawyer I even wanted to be, what practice areas I was going to do? Then all of a sudden now I've got to start paying bills. <laughs> all of a sudden now I've got appraisals every two minutes. I've got to manage an email inbox. When, when I was at LSE, what I used to do is get emails from my lecturer saying, where's my coursework? It's a different, like, work in life and study in life. They're so different. And that's based off nothing significant happening in your personal life. For example, having a child, getting married, um, becoming the main breadwinner for your family. That's based on a very vanilla personal life, not being sick, not being ill, not being diagnosed with any different type of <clears throat> illness. Like, do you know what I'm trying to say? So, mm. of course, it's going to change because you don't know what you're talking about. And I 100%. think that's fine. Yeah, me too. Because all we can ever do, like, as we embark on our journey is kind of set guidelines. I think sometimes when people get it wrong is they think just because they map something out, that's the way it's going to happen. I mean, you exactly. lot know me. I never had a plan. <laughs> like, I still don't. I just, I just glide. I just go where the wind takes me. And I'm like, yeah, I like this. Or, yeah. I don't and it and it's like um that said you don't know what's going to happen in life but also I think and sometimes I think this is a problem in terms of how we approach our careers and things um we don't allow for anything to kind of interrupt um where we thought we were going to go and what the good possibilities of those um, interruptions might be sometimes we get so fixated on where we need to go and what we want to be doing um 
that we don't allow that actually maybe our plan is not the best for us and I do think that kind of plays into some of the decisions um, that Kemi ends up making which I don't necessarily think um, serve her but in a way in an element she was kind of pandering to where everybody else thought she should go and was kind of um concerned with proving everybody else wrong as opposed to proving herself wrong and finding out what she deep down wanted see i don't even think that you know i think she was bored i mean we're gonna get to that to, to yeah. something in terms of um she just had a moment of madness and she had to follow through but anyway we'll go on yeah no i just i think you met you, you know you speak to truth and me of all me of all people should know that because i got pregnant um during my newly qualified teaching year nobody really does that like you're fresh off the ground you're still putting together a portfolio to basically qualify as a teacher and there I was with big pregnant belly saying yeah bye I see you in a year's time <laughs> so <laughs> so I, th- I think like what's interesting is beyond when I when I first had Alex I still went for a promotion very shortly. In fact, whilst I was on maternity leave and I didn't get it. And my head teacher at the time had said, I don't think you know what you're stepping into. You need to have this, 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 and this right before you go for this job. And I was quite offended, but I'm really glad actually that she said that even if her intention was different from what it actually came to be, because as a mum, that role would not have suited me. My heart's desire and my strengths and my skills would have matched it. But in terms of the other parts of my life, it wouldn't have matched it. So I think, yeah, intention, like the intentions around your career do swivel around your life. But I think what's interesting, and even that example I give, is to sort of know what you have in mind and don't let other people dictate that for you. Or if they do, based on advice and mentorship, to still have a hold over like where you land in that journey. Um, Tolls? Oh no, no, I, I agree with what you're saying. Like, yeah, you need to know for yourself what it is that you want to do. Um, and yeah, just use the opinions as, of others as a guide. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I think it's not always, it's not always possible to know what you want, but like reflecting on Kemi's story, to summoned was was just quite painful in that Kemi very much felt like she wanted more but I don't think she was ever really clear on what more was or wasn't very honest about what more was and who or what could fulfill this so in the story she was headhunted and um, moved from a very strong position in the states she's Nigerian born raised and studied and worked in the States and then was headhunted by this Swedish firm. And I think like the entanglement of her leaving was partly due to like this toxic work environment that she was in in America, um, which the, the toxicity, the toxicity was quite objective as in there was elements of like female objectification, not quite sexual harassment, but elements of that. Um, but also just on a personal level, like it wasn't serving her growth or development, but she also had an issue with how she, how she fit in as a black woman in the workplace physically, as well as just being, and on a personal front, her relationship status. And it made me think like, um, 
this is quite a deep question, but like, do we use work as a mask for doing the work? So ultimately, by the end of it, how the story played out, I just felt like Kemi was running, um, not really answering the questions that needed to be answered, but work can allow for you to have wins when you might not be winning in life. Yeah, I think so. I think, first of all, I think there's a few things to to elaborate on. I think, first of all, she was hired, she was a marketing professional, but she was hired by a marketing company in Sweden who had had like a similar to the H&M debacle, you know, when they put the black boy in the top, <coughs> pardon me, with monkey and people took offense. So they've had a similar, um, a similar event to that. And that was clearly the motivation for why she was being hired. So it's very transparent that she was a diversity hire, first of all. And I think that's an important aspect, which I'm sure we're going to go on to um, discuss. But considering you're not, she wasn't a diversity professional, she was a marketing professional, that in and of itself to me was a massive red flag. And I do think that a lot of the decisions that she made, a lot of the decisions she made were based on the fact that she possibly didn't feel like she had any grounding anything here to hold her so her sister didn't live with her she was a twin and um she was actually born and raised in Nigeria and she just came here to study and she hadn't gone back so for her there was nothing grounding her holding her here but I agree with you that I felt that when the opportunity came she kind of jumped on it even though she knew deep down it wasn't right for her but in a way I still think when you get opportunities like that, that are like once in a lifetime, you kind of owe it to yourself to investigate. You just need to have clear boundaries on, look, I'm going to try this thing. And I'm good. If in three to six months, it ain't working, I'm going to bounce. And I think that's the aspect of the plan to me that she didn't, she didn't really consider. So I don't know. I do agree with you. I feel like because she was a successful professional woman, she was just taking another way to use work to give her comfort because things in her personal life weren't thinging the way she wanted them to. Um, but I, I just think it, it was just weird to me that she would make a decision to go so far across the world to do a role because she was, that she's picked for because she was black. You see what I mean? Mm. Yeah, um, to come in here, hundred uh, percent. I'm with you, Shan. She was running. Uh, it does. It didn't make any sense whatsoever to me. She could have done all of that there. She just ignored multiple, multiple red flags. First of all, they're coming to you. They've said they've had this issue. They're going to a strange country. You never had an experience of that before. You even go over there for a trial and a taster. You see that it's going, mm, it's moving a bit left still. And you're just like, yeah, I'm going to go ahead with it. But then I also do take Natalie's point that sometimes when these opportunities present themselves, sometimes just try it out. But also, yes, have boundaries. Be like, okay, let me try this out three to six months let's see what the progress is here let's see what the interpersonal relationships are like with the team and and see where I want to go with that but her problem is her inability to separate um her work from her personal life she felt I feel like she felt that this work step would sort out all the other issues like she thought she would find love in Sweden I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm sorry like where 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 did that come from like where where did it come from I, I, there must be some black women who've moved to Sweden and found love in Sweden. What? In like, Sweden. Yeah, I'm you not saying know. it's not possible. We're in big, big London and we can't find love with all these other people. It, so, but the thing you is, never know. she's in America and she's even struggling there with all of the <laughs> issues and etc. What? 
what made her think that in Sweden that it would be any different? I feel like she was a bit on a, a la-la land or just in, I don't know what cloud she was on, but she just kind of thought that is an abracadabra wand. And once she landed there, then she would become the woman that she knew she could be and prove everybody that kind of had something to say about where she should be and who she should be wrong. Like, it felt like she was doing this 100% to prove that mad old boss of hers wrong. She mm. was doing it to to um, um, prove her family wrong as well with regards to how she lives her life. She was doing it to prove ex-lovers wrong. Like, there was just... She was going for all of the wrong reasons, basically. Like, the whole... Um, situation and scenario itself is not toxic there's nothing wrong with that but it's the way that she approached it which I think ultimately fed into the outcomes that she um kind what of experienced the situation wasn't toxic sorry so, as in moving across um the moving across the pond oh, the to go for the the because actually somebody could even despite the fact that there was a red flag of that situation where she's a diversity hire that doesn't mean that she couldn't potentially have smashed that role and done a good job in that role it really depended on the environment that she was going to meet there to be honest at the end of the day so there was a possibility for it to be um good but ultimately what she met there was people that didn't want to change and people that weren't interested in somebody coming from abroad and telling them how to do things but then my question is i don't want to jump too far shannon tell me to shut up if if needs be for the structure but when has any organization that actively pursued a diversity hire really wanted to change listen there's people in these roles these days i don't know i ain't got the stats and figures for that but there's people in these roles these days these dni um what no, they she wasn't DNI remember roles. this is this is the, this is this is the discrepancy she was not a diversity and but she doesn't have to be professional she was there basically to run marketing campaigns mm. and they tried to box her into that and I think yeah, when was... she got there, that's what became apparent. So mm. that's when you need to kind of revisit the drawing board and be like, okay, this is the situation. Do I need to stay or should I go? Right. And so, first of all, just to pick up the point on relationships, you know, I have to do the historian bit. We've spoken about earning more than your man, season two, episode three. But there's an issue. I think there's an issue with, uh, I don't know to use the word issue, but I think there's a, a number of black women who are high in their professional game that are struggling to find their match. So when we talk about she, she was in America, I mean, shut me down at some point in this conversation or through the comments, listeners. But I think when we're saying oh, she was struggling to find love in America, I think it's also entwined with the fact that she's working all the hours God sent in an organisation that perhaps isn't representative in terms of black males that she's looking for. And so, it's, like I said, it's all an entanglement. Um, but on the no, Nats, you wanna come through or you're gonna leave it? I just feel like if you want a man, you'll get a man. No, oh, it's a girl. <laughs> it's like I work long hours and I'm always dating. So sorry, I'm not trying to put my business out on the street. No, but it's but, not about finding any man, Nats. <laughs> yeah, but even so, I don't date I don't date men. I'm like, oh like I don't want to say anything offensive on the podcast, but mm-hmm. I'm not just dating any man, I'm not going down the road and thinking, no. oh, there's yeah, a dustbin yeah, yeah. man. There's ways. No, no, but there's, there's a ways. Sp- there's a specific, I feel like there's uncles a specific... From, I'm not picking from uncles from outside the barbershop. No, but like, there's a specific caliber of man that especially her sister felt that she should be, you know, linking with. I don't feel Kemi herself felt bad about it until other people started picking up on it. I feel like she was just going for what she wanted. But then because everybody was kind of 
challenge her and making her second guess her choices and decisions yeah, and that's, that's a why. common theme with this that's a like yeah that's a common theme with this character yeah like, yeah but I was I, I was just more, more trying to say that I, I I it might not be this podcast might be the best place to, to to speak about but I feel like there is there seems to be this like consistent message being sent to black women about you know who they should date standards lowering of those standards all that like in inverted commas lowering 100%. Yeah. and also kind of a perception that if you are a black woman who is successfully professional mm-hmm. you're not going to find a man who is on your in averted commas level like I and think, i just I think, think we got a topic nonsense. for season seven yo and I, well, not, and I think it's just nonsense and i think that's one of the things that kind of pissed peed me off about this book is that it actually fed into that like i'm not being I'm not being funny, right? But there are communities where there are where there's a strong black working, sorry, black middle class with professionals marrying each other, marrying their contemporaries, and built and building that black middle class, whether it's in the US or the UK. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the perception that um, as a black successful woman, your pool has been reduced in terms mm-hmm. of if you decide you want to date black men because it's not by force, your pool has been reduced. I just don't think it. I don't like that conversation. No, no, no. But it, it but but there's statistical studies that have been conducted with regards to this that flag these kind okay, of things. Can you just name one? I can't off the top of my head right now. No, but you know why? Because it's very Kevin Samuelish, God forbid. No. It no, is. I don't. No, it is. You know what it is? Is because consistently we see it on these Tyler Perry films. We see it on we we see it on um what's that film that um Steve Harvey did? Um, think like think like a woman, act like a man. Something we it's a consistent message that we get sent as black women about who we who we should date and the idea that we should date being pushed on us that we should date men that earn less than us. It's a separate conversation, mm. and I feel like uh, you know book, I want to bring this I up. Like this, I feel like this book feeds into it because people are cussing her off for dating the electrician, but then she goes to Sweden and ends up shacking up with a, with a security guard. I think that's where the different lies, the difference lies. So this is all about, there's a difference between what people are saying and what the actual facts are. It is a well-known fact that it is, um, in terms of even education levels and achievements, there is a disparity between black men and women. And that is in America, there's been studies placed on that. Now that doesn't mean that a person who, a woman who is, or I, I don't, I don't like using those terms. I don't even like but using these. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Anyone can go through for whoever they like. The issue is when people are told or women are told because of this particular situation, you should be looking at X, Y, Z person. That's where the problem comes from. A person should not be looking at that. That's not what's important. And You're looking that's at the point, com- compatibility. That's the, that's the point that I'm trying. That's the point that I'm trying to make mm. because there seems to be so much commentary on who we should who we should date and Mm. that is what I and that is what I don't like and I'm not going to sit here and say I would not date or marry a man that earned less than me because I feel like that is one of the possibly one of the more minor characteristics in terms of someone I'd want to spend my life Mm. with however what I don't think is that the consistent messages about you know the idea of this is who you're good enough to get or this is the only thing you get or this is only what's available to you you know because in terms of women and education and women out earning men this is an issue that is not just between black women and men it's it's happening in a lot of ethnicities mm. specifically in 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 british and white american families as well mm-hmm. the nine times out of ten when you're looking at statistics you have the phenomenal the stay-at-home dad being 
increasing. We also have white women on average being more educated and earning more than white men. So I feel like there's, obviously there's more of a conversation to be had. It might not be at the levels of the discrepancy between black women and black men and there's structural reasons for that. I just feel like this book kind of fed into the idea that because she's a successful black woman in the US, she can't find someone that's her contemporary. Because on the flip side, one of the other characters was, was in a long-term relationship with a black man who was a partner at a law firm who was paying her rent as well as his own. Yeah. So I, dis- I, mean. I disagree that it fed into it. I feel like it explored it and I don't think it presented it in any kind of determin- determinative or decisive way. I, for mm. me personally, I feel like it was actually critiqued because Kemi has her sister, Kende, and it's mm. almost like she's just like a a devil on her shoulder sometimes Mm. in making Kemi second guess her choices and that's why I liked um in this book when she met Tobias she wasn't thinking about what he does his role or anything Mm. it was just that connection but then the voices in her head that come from the people Mm. that's when she started thinking about it too much and she started to get a bit problematic in the way that she was behaving so I actually think the book just places it as a topic that is um there for it further ex, uh, exploration for a reader I don't think it presents it as a fact mm. no yeah I think I think you're both right in that sense of the way I agree with both of you um I agree with not what I, uh, Natalie you've we've posed several different points in that conversation all agreeable in terms of you know what we are said as black women to look for in love what's the disparity dispar- all in inverted commas the disparity between what we want and what we can find but also returning to the book tells the idea that this is why we're here, right? It's a reflection, it's how we received it, what it kind of triggered in us or made us think and what the reality of that is. Anyway, I think key to that is the red flags and how do we know when we're being magpied? Because I think that Kemi was magpied in terms of the job that she went for. What is that? so like seeing shiny things and going for them um and much to her detriment in that she stepped into a role where in actual fact she reached her own glass ceiling and it was really interesting because I think she was in the cab and the cab driver had said to her why would you be here like could you be Oprah here and she was like no so it's like amongst this I'm at one of the world's leading firms for my role, for my role, but what does this mean for me in the entirety of my career, my being, my branding? And she not only pigeoned herself to her own glass ceiling, but she also somewhat took a glass cliff, which is a term in that you take a role which you can't necessarily fulfill. And she did fulfill the role, but it was with so much you know, resistance and challenge and battles along the way. And she knew it. Like, there's a quote in the book where she's like, still, her gut said run, but her ego said stay. And it's like, why do we ignore the red flags? Like, workplaces are showing us, and I I don't think we're going to get to explore them in all their entirety, but, you know, she knew there was an element of her objectification, the jungle fever. She could see that she was being alienated at work and very specifically in this context because people were at the table talking a language that she couldn't even understand and didn't even give a damn that she was um, being alienated. She she almost knew that her her family were questioning her decisions 
Um, and at times she questioned whether or not she was removed from her culture. She wasn't acknowledged in all of her efforts at job in the work. It was like, ah, oh, it's not your achievement. It's a team effort. Like there's several times where red flags just, they were there glaring and she still stayed. Why? Because she was not being honest with herself and ultimately what came into play more for her than sense and sensibility was um, other people's impressions and thoughts. Um, she was running away from her life. So she couldn't, in her mind, it's like, I can't go back because then I'm going to seem like a failure. At least that's the impression I got out of it. And maybe I feel like she thought that she could be that one person who actually manages to crack a system that's been there for hundreds of years she would be that singular black woman who would bring revolution to Sweden in this role that she really shouldn't be there for like it was just I feel like it was just all of those things playing into each other and it's a lack of humility ultimately it's just pride that she didn't just go back because she had her apartment still in the US she could have gone back at any time but she just wanted to stay there and see if she could be the change that she wanted to see, basically, despite everybody around her telling her that this is an environment where conformity is priority, assimilation is priority. I don't know. I feel like sometimes when you sign up to a job, um, you want to, you have your period of time where you're like, I actually want to give it a chance. Because any new job, any change, like moving or whatever, it's going to be difficult. So I feel like if you, I know I said before, like having a six month plan, but she obviously didn't have a plan, but I did have some sympathy with her in the sense of you've upheaved, you know, there's been an upheaval in your whole entire life. Maybe you want to push it and see how far you can go with it before you go back. But also I do think in the same breath, I'm very much kind of like, well, for me personally, I would have had a set time and I would have had set boundaries. And if these lines were crossed, I would have been going home. And I think one of the biggest issues is that I don't think she anticipated that it would be as difficult as it as it was. Even things like the fact that the main language is not English and how that can make it difficult to assimilate. I think it was very interesting as well that she didn't seek to build a village out there before leaving. I feel like if I was going to go to live in Sweden, for example, I would try and be on the Googles to join a few community groups like Black people in Sweden, stuff like that, just to try and build a tribe out there. I would do the same, to be honest. Well, not Black people in Sweden, but if I was moving to New York, I would try and be like, okay, what kind of groups are around me? All those kind of, that kind of level of, apart from going for a few times and, and eating Swedish meatballs, actually understanding what it's like to live there. I feel like with the resources we have, like with meetups and Facebook and online, there was no excuse for her to get go there and not have any community events to go to and no one to get no one to engage with apart from people in her Swedish class. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, she was very naive and she didn't do her due 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 diligence, sorry, um, whatsoever. And that became, you know, painfully apparent. And that whole just um expecting people to speak English when you've come to Sweden I, I found it kind of symptomatic yeah. of the stereotype that a lot of people have of Americans where they believe that everyone should just accommodate them yeah <laughs> be English British and accommodate, people are similar 
yeah exactly exactly accommodate them and everybody should just move to allow room for them to fit in I don't think she seriously considered what she would have to kind of um, compromise on or bend over backwards a little bit in order to assimilate into you know the team because now that I think of it and based on what you're saying I don't really know how seriously she took efforts to even kind of improve or build individual relationships within the team that she was in she got there she had that first kind of maybe a bit of a negative or standoffish impression and I don't think she really worked hard to kind of um run that backwards basically or build on that because sometimes that's what you have to do in life like as much as it you want people to kind of accept you first of all like if you're serious about staying in that country and staying for a while you're gonna have to make some concessions you're gonna have to put yourself out on a limb and maybe if she had done that potentially her experiences might have been different but actually I just think with that set of people they were just a bit mad still but um yeah there was naivety there was lack of education lack of um, proper thought she just thought it was a pack your bags and go thing and the thing is there are people that we know of and I know people that have moved abroad completely without doing that you know joining groups and whatever and they fitted in well but again you have to do your research beforehand which is what these people do and you take the the highs with the lows and you ultimately have um you ultimately have your boundaries and once it kind of gets to a point where I'm not making any traction here like who are you staying for <laughs> like go home when I when I read oh two years apart what do you mean why is she still there <laughs> like take your year and say uh, I I did I worked in this country I did this um campaign or whatever and move on fam yeah yeah agreed because I feel like when she did that campaign that was successful she could have just been like I blew it out of the water deuces like that could have been like a in a watershed moment and I think I think it's a good thing to just reflect on again the lack of clear goals like what you want to achieve but also understanding and this is something I'm having to deal with personally like when enough is enough like you've done what you're supposed to do and it's okay to move on yeah and it does go back to what you said you know tolls about pride and just being like okay cool I've got a certain amount of things to do. I've done this. It's okay for me to go back to the US and move on. Because even if she came back, she wouldn't be struggling financially. She wouldn't have been in a bind and she probably would have got snapped up, especially on the back of such a successful European campaign. All she'd have to do is pick up the phone to a headhunter or a recruiter and she would have been fine. So again, there was a lot more going on. But do we want to talk about some of the other characters as well? Mm. Hold on. I just want to say that I think that that does definitely circle back to our original point about intentionality in our career journeys, but also like, you know, we've got this whole narrative around, oh, you've only been at a job for a year or two years, but actually if you're clear on the impact that you've made in that role, like you've come, you've done a job, you can speak on it and it's long lasting beyond you, like move along. Um, And secondly, I just wanted to reference that we have spoken to someone about moving abroad, although we've not done it on the pod. If you are on our Instagram at BWW Podcast UK, um, just two years ago now, um, 1st of July, we did speak 
um, on working abroad on one of our lives. So you can go check that out. Um, Nats, when you speak about the other characters, did you have anyone in particular in mind? You know, I centered the conversation on Kemi because that was very much about work. I mean, I could talk about this book for hours and hours and hours, but we don't have that. <laughs> <laughs> I could. That's I taking my position. I, I hope that wasn't what I thought it was. Yes, that's alone. Just, she was doing exactly that. I can't stand that that song. They rinsed it. Sorry. Um. <laughs> no, I just think it'd be just interesting because you know there are two other main characters who also have decisions in relation to work. Mm. Um. So I don't know. Mm. Let's yeah. get one out of the two because. In a way, I think it's good because it means we haven't completely Muna. spoiled the book because you yeah. have to talk about everyone's story. You want to talk about Muna? Mm. Yeah, yeah. and I think there's two. But there's two things that stood out for me about about Muna in terms of the work workplace. One, there was uh, a conversation or really sweet piece around sisterhood in the workplace and your sort of role as a role model, even when you don't know it, like she really looked to Kemi for inspiration. Yeah, she did, yeah. And then the second piece, which wasn't very loud, but she had dreams and aspirations oh, that were really difficult for her to fulfill for various reasons. But, you know, I, I'd, I'd pull that up, but you're like, no, I don't want to about that. No, no, so I don't want to talk about her. I just ask like why. I mean, for me personally, I found her story quite touching, quite sad out of all of them. I wouldn't say she's the character I related to most, but she's the one out of everyone that I really wanted to see win. Because mm. I feel like she had gone through the absolute most. Deserved and it. she mm. deserved it, but she suffered the most the most turmoil. And I think it showed as well, um, because work just isn't always about the corporate life. There's so many different experiences Black women are having at work. And it just showed that even with the best will in the world, when you are coming from a certain background and certain disadvantaged position in society, your options are very, very limited, no matter what your aspirations are. And I think it was really touching to see someone in that position have clear aspirations about what they wanted to do and be willing to put themselves in positions that they could do that, even though someone on the outside could be telling them, like, it's very unlikely you're even going to get there. Um, one thing that I thought was interesting was the conversation between all three of the main characters, um, because that was on the flip side of sisterhood, a very weird <laughs> moment. So I'd forgotten the, the, the name of the other character. Brittany. Brittany. Brittany, that's it, yeah, mad. So um, <laughs> we're not gonna go too much into, I don't think we've got time to go too much into Brittany, but her story is very interesting. Um, so Brittany ended up being the wife of the man who owned the, the marketing company that Kemi went to work for. And um, I think it was really interesting to show that even though you had two black women who had both lived in the States and moved to Sweden, that they didn't actually have aligned interests and they didn't actually like each other at all and they couldn't get on. Yeah. Um, I, and it, I thought that um, was really good to do it like that because in the same breath, while I don't think I would have had Britney's attitude or alternatively um, Kemi, I did think to myself, mm, like... You know interesting that they don't like each other and that they it, it seems to, to get worse and just not better I couldn't figure out why they didn't like each other in the first place I don't know why there wasn't an immediate connect and even that the husband with all of his social challenges 
tried to put them together to be like this could be a good thing but why should there be though just because they're because because they're because they're circumstances is in not just both being black but also you're both you've both moved from the states so you're both experiencing an element of alienation so maybe that's a reason to come together but there was a point in that conversation late in the book I don't know if all three of them were there but definitely between Kemi and um Kemi and Brittany where I quoted for myself that it felt like Kemi was empathizing with the colonel with a colonizer. Um, Why would you say I, that? I don't, I don't agree with that. Hold on, hold on. Because there was this issue around um, speaking. Uh, there was an issue around whether or not the the intentions behind why Brittany was with her husband, and um, Kemi had said, "Oh, something like along the lines of an ended with." I get where they're coming from, and. Um, Brittany was like you know do you think I'm some kind of gold digger do you think I'm and it made me think beyond that conversation how sometimes because of the affiliations that we have with people or our workplaces or our bosses we then perhaps start to speak in a way that isn't necessarily true to us but it comes to the forefront first if that makes sense I don't think Kemi even meant to insinuate that Britney was a gold digger, but by nature of her surroundings, that's how it came across. I think personally that Britney was just feeling defensive because she was um, disillusioned with the position that she now found herself in. Mm -hmm. And I think she took to heart some of the things Kemi said. Granted, the way Kemi said certain things was a bit tactless, but also she had a point, you know, like the conversation at dinner um, where Kemi said, you know... (laughs) If I was not doing anything all the time, that's the shade there, which she should have removed. I would have learned yeah, Swedish. She wasn't, though. Huh? She wasn't, though. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, well, Kemi was actually right in this aspect. Like, you've come that's over not here. Her you place s- to say, though. Shut your mouth. Huh? No, no, no. But they were talking about this um, at the tape. That, but that's where the tactlessness comes in. But at the end of the day, she was right. Britney's experiencing all these difficulties and things, and she's not really why have you why have you come over to sweden and you think that you're just going to communicate in english for no, the rest of but, your life? The, but the thing is in the same breath you have to realize and this is why i like the fact that they didn't like each other because their lived experience is very different one it doesn't has, matter no, it does one person has come here to work one person has come here to be somebody's wife mm-hmm. big different first of all big difference one person has come to live a normal life one person has come to live with a multi they're still in millionaire. sweden they're still in yeah absolutely they're still in Sweden but one person has had a baby and one person has not that, that doesn't remove from the fact it, that they've both come into have, an environment had no 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 I'm not exactly. comparing so that, no but what I'm trying I'm not, to no, say no, 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 let me what finish. I'm, no, me, what I'm trying to say is that brain. their lived experiences are completely different so how does Kemi know what Britney's doing and how does Britney know what Kemi's doing but literally I said that was the point where she should have left that bit out because that was tactlessness but to come back to my point ultimately I feel like Britney was in a situation here and she wasn't really happy with the situation but also how much effort was she making in terms of being in this country like there is this book I think what it underpinned and what it outlined really in terms of Swedish culture was that deep kind of you must come and you must be like us like there's no room for individuality here it's you're Swedish or you're nothing at all and I think once you realize that then you need to come to a decision within yourself Brittany 
ultimately did because she decided that she wasn't even going to try and learn Swedish anymore but that was her choice and that was her decision and she could have represented that when Kemi kind of brought that up and Kemi was bringing that up because she of the positions that she'd been put in and how difficult she'd found it and she'd actually one of the good things about Kemi in this respect is she'd actually made an effort to kind of assimilate into the culture in terms of learning the language whether or not one person is given birth or whatever okay cool yeah they have different experiences but there was a unified point here a unified commonality here in terms of you're in Sweden why haven't you learned how to speak Swedish yet? But yet Kemi didn't put it across like that. She was just saying, if I was me or if I was you, this is what I would have done. That's, but she put it across in a way that was tactless and in a way that Brittany felt embarrassed her in front of the other people, which I do take as, you know, that's a valid point to be honest with you. I mean, I feel like, you know, I said we were going to speak about Kemi we've given some insights into Brittany and Muna and really and truly what our listeners need to go and do is read the book (laughs) (laughs) and come back and let us know where they land with these points that we're bringing up because this is it right everyone's going to read it and receive it and and again as always I think sometimes we are speaking to the same point just differently in that we had earlier said what did Kemi do to try and assimilate in the same way now that what so it's forgiving for Britney but not for Kemi like mm, I think Britney I think Britney I feel like with her the thing that kind of made me sad about her story is because she knew she was someone who had goals and kind of it really enjoyed her role and what she was doing she in loved the freedom of it and then ultimately she found herself boxed in bit by bit by bit and then there was just a point where she realized wait everything has been stripped away from me and I don't really know how to handle this now I don't know how to get my autonomy back and that's what I feel is really sad about her particular let's call it work journey because she went from someone who was quite you know forward in it loved the freedom of it knew what she wanted to someone who was just there (laughs) I mean, you bring up another theme and I'm not going to go into it, but there there was a question mark around what it means to feel content Mm. in the workplace. And that came up through Kemi's sister. I think that comes up through, if we think about Brittany and the choices that she made in terms of love over work, she chose to go somewhere to be someone's wife and and ditch her career. And then later in the story, we heard from Kemi's partner, about you know I don't and I quoted it on our on our social media I don't need to be anyone's CEO I'm, I'm content and I think there is also a question mark around what does it mean to be content happy versus stagnated um mm. in where you are at work but guys <laughs> we've spoken much longer than I even thought we would and and it is with deep sorrow that I'm sort of going to wrap deep up. Sorrow. Every time, I? deep regret, deep yeah, this, yeah, deep yeah, that. Yeah. Everything's <laughs> deep with you. From all my yeah. heart. I'm a Cancerian. Cancer season. My Leave me alone. Head. We're sensitive. Is we Mercury are in retrograde? <laughs> no. <laughs> Don't okay, mock the Venus on Pluto. <laughs> Don't mock the thing. Don't mock the thing. I'm a fire sign. This is what we do. <laughs> fire, fire. Let the water come for you. Anyway. <laughs> you know I'm not able. Um... Thank you. Thank you so much to, um, as I said, thank you so much to Head of Use for coming to us and allowing yes. us to 
have this discussion, to actually share some leisure time in a weird sort of way in that we've read the same book at the same time and been able to discuss it. Um, thank you to Lola for this piece. That was really enjoyable. My sister. Hey, fellow Nigerian in the house now. Yoruba. <laughs> um, for sharing oh this piece and giving, giving us a version or insight of life, work life mm. for Black women in a context that I don't often read about. I read the stories of many, many Black women, not necessarily in the sense of the way um, how it's been presented in in every mirror she's black so thank you for that and thank you to our listeners um as natalie said on our last um episode our last let's talk about it break it you can't break my soul um lord <laughs> no. karaoke needs to stop let it's, me sing it's not given what it's supposed to no be. she can karaoke but not that song okay um I've been seeing the beehive come for you it's not them, business anyway go on what are you trying to say but yeah we are really excited for the planning that we've got for season seven which is coming really soon and hopefully you will hear from us over the summer um you know if you are reading the book if you've read the book continue the conversation Color at us on our social media that's at bwwuk and you can find us mostly on twitter and instagram but you can My- also find you said it wrong <gasps> BWW podcast UK that's Jeez. it it's not just me that gets it wrong just oh new song <laughs> <laughs> um, you also can find us on LinkedIn um, that's Black Women Working and you know we really enjoy these collaborations and partnerships we've had some really notable ones over the last few months yeah you know shout out to Shireen Daniels shout out to Opayemi Sofaluke for the book one of our first book reviews in fact um, and some very special guests that we've had on our more recent season so if you are interested in collaborations or partnerships also do get in touch and I guess we like fiction sorry I just need to put that <laughs> We do love I, a good fiction. I guess for now, it's a wrap. Ciao, ladies. Bye. Adios. Bye. Thank you.